My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him, and baptize his name. So let all the ages his greatness proclaim. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and he is alive. The Christ is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, exalted on high for the life that He gave. So glory and honor and praise is His name. So chaos of kingdoms His sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. The Christ is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the while here on this song, it sharpens and swords and it bears the same. Since power is failing, it's worth we proclaim. God's word is alive, God's word is alive, God's word is alive. Have you ever had that experience where you were expecting something and, and then whenever you actually got it or whenever that moment came to happen, that it didn't exactly happen the way that you thought it was? And maybe sometimes we can get pretty disappointed if that happens to us. And I want to share with you a time that that actually happened in the Bible. And it was with Jesus, the Messiah. Now, the Messiah was, was a, a role that Jesus actually filled. And Messiah, it means the Christ, it means the anointed one. Basically, it means that Jesus is God's chosen one and he was chosen to save the world. Now, when you look at the term Messiah though, uh, we have so many passages that was leading up to the expectations of what the nation of Israel wanted to see from their promised Messiah. Now, these expectations go all the way back very, very, very early in to just the first few pages of the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, there's a promise that's connected with Eve. So all the way back with the very first generation of mankind, we see that there's a promise about a coming one, someone who's going to, to be a human and who is going to uh, kind of produce salvation and kind of help them. And that was all the way back with the woman and uh, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15. A few generations later with Abraham. Uh, if you remember, one of the promises that Abraham was given that through him, all the nations on earth were going to be blessed. In Genesis 12, 3, we find that. This comes to fulfillment in the Messiah. 
And we see even a, a few generations down from Abraham, the person of Judah, for which the, the tribe of Judah is named and for which we even call uh, the Hebrew nation, you know, Jews. Uh, that goes back to Judah. And in Genesis chapter 49, some of the last few words of the book of Genesis, in verses 8 through 12, we see what's spoken of about Judah. But basically, we see that from Judah, there's going to come this king, and kings were anointed one. So it's connected with this thought of the Messiah. And many generations on down the road with King David, you know, he was kind of uh, lifted up as a, as a wonderful king of Israel. And he was promised that someone from his own line, some of his offspring was going to, to rise up and be the Messiah. And that's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 10 through 14. When we turn to the page of the New Testament, though, we see that they had a lot of expectations of what the Messiah was supposed to be like. And many times Jesus didn't fit their expectations. So we're going to see the expectation versus reality when it comes to the Messiah. Let's take a look at this. First, with these, these expectations. In Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we see that this was spoken of. Uh, this is the angel of the Lord to the shepherds. And they say, uh, this angel says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So this passage right here talks about the Messiah, talks about Jesus Christ being born. Which, by the way, I guess I haven't mentioned it to you just yet, but there's like dozens of passages, probably even hundreds of passages that speak about the Messiah from the Old and the New Testament. We're only going to be taking a look at, at really just kind of a few of those. I've, I've mentioned some already, uh, but from here on out, we're going to be looking uh, almost just only in the book of Luke, in, in the gospel of Luke. So we're going to be flipping through the, the book of Luke, but we're going to be uh, within that book if you want to kind of follow along in your own Bibles. But even at the very beginning, when Jesus is born, he is talked about, about being this Messiah. They have been waiting for generations for this time, and it came in the days of Jesus. We see this connection with David, and we see that, that these shepherds were led to this Messiah, who is the Lord. But they weren't the only ones who were expecting uh, the Messiah. No, the, the whole nation was expecting the Messiah. And one man in particular that I want to draw our attention to comes to us in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And a few verses later, what we see is Simeon holds up the baby Jesus who came to the temple as well. And he sees the Lord's Messiah. He's been expecting this Messiah throughout his life. And he most certainly was not the only one. In fact, just before Jesus started his own public ministry, some people got really excited whenever they saw John the Baptist coming. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, we see the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. So you see, they were, they were waiting for the Messiah during this time. They were longing for the Messiah. And when John the Baptist comes up, and remember, his goal was to prepare the way for the Lord. Well, as he was preparing the way for the Lord, some people started wondering, is, is he the Messiah? No, he, he wasn't the Messiah, but he was preparing the way for the Messiah. But they still were waiting expectantly. They wanted to see the Messiah. And he was going to come shortly thereafter. Uh, and we see him, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ. 
But now let's kind of keep looking at, at some of the things that we can learn about Jesus. Connected with those expectations, but more importantly, connected with the reality of who the true Messiah is. To that, we turn to Luke chapter 9. Now, we've, we've jumped a few chapters in this book, but notice that this, this conversation that Jesus has with his own disciples, this is how it goes here in Luke 9, verses 18 through 22. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now here in this passage, this was not what they were expecting from God's Messiah. When Peter said that, that he believed Jesus is God's Messiah, he was probably expecting an earthly king who's going to come to earth and who is going to rule and reign on the throne in Israel and is going to drive out all the other nations and allow freedom to reign to them. But that's not what Jesus was about. That's why Jesus instantly, after saying, you know, don't tell anybody about this, he starts teaching that the son of man, who is God's Messiah, another name for Jesus himself, that a lot of bad things are gonna happen, happen to him first. But that's part of God's plan. That's part of the way that God is going to accomplish the great things that he has. That's the reality of the Messiah. The Messiah was going to suffer. The Messiah was going to be rejected, even killed, but raised to life on the third day. That was a hard saying for the disciples of Jesus. And it most certainly was a hard saying for the rest of the people, you know, the, the multitudes, the crowds. But that's the reality. It didn't live up to their expectations. But Jesus wasn't so much concerned about that. He was just teaching them what the truth is all about. But there's still a lot more in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 20 now, fast forwarding again. Now Jesus is the one who's bringing this up. He's not bringing it up to his own close disciples, but in Luke 20, now he's bringing it up to a crowd that you might say is a little bit more, um, a little bit more hostile toward him. Uh, they've been trying to trap him up to this point, and then he kind of has his own question, and this is what he brings up here. Luke chapter 20, verses 41 through 44. Then Jesus said to them, why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? See, what Jesus is doing is, is trying to get them to recognize their expectations of what the Messiah is going to be is different than the reality of it. And the way, of course, that David could declare in the book of Psalms that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make an enemy, your, your enemies a footstool for your heat. The way that he could do that and the way that, that David could call him Lord and that he still be his son is because Jesus was by genealogical records, of course, he came from the line of David. But he is the Lord of David because he is God in the flesh. That's how that statement could be made. And that was Jesus's point. The Messiah, the true Messiah, didn't line up to their expectations. But this is the true Messiah. Jesus is the true Messiah. And he left them with this hint to kind of get them pointed in the right direction to realize that what they were wanting and what they maybe thought that God wanted wasn't lining up with the reality that was in front of them. 
They needed to open their eyes and follow Jesus at this time. Some of them did. Most of them, of course, didn't. Just uh, the following verses now. Uh, Jesus talks about this and he teaches this right after uh, just mentioning that and, and kind of showing a fault that they had. In Luke chapter 20, verses 45 through 47, while all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. This was Jesus' teaching. And the reason why he was telling the people to beware of the teacher of the law is because they had, they had lost their focus. They had lost what, what God was about. They, they weren't seeing what God was doing right in front of them in their own days. And what they were focused on was this praise, this praise from people. But Jesus said, beware of these teachers of the law. And he says they devour widows' houses. Well, if you keep reading into the next chapter, you find out that's where we get this story about uh, the, the widow who gave all that she had, you know, just those, those two coins that she had. And he looks at her and he praises her for her sacrifice. But in all honesty, she should not have had to have made that sacrifice in the first place. Because apparently she's an illustration, an example of, of perhaps one of these widows' houses that have been devoured by these teachers of the law because they weren't focused on the right thing. And they weren't able to see Jesus and recognize him as the Messiah. That's just one among many places. And they were so opposed to Jesus that that's ultimately what led to Jesus being arrested and Jesus being crucified. In Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 5, we read this. Then the whole assembly rose and led Jesus off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. So you see in this passage, the problem what they had with Jesus, at least one of them was that he claimed to be the Messiah. They didn't want him to be the Messiah. So Pilate just has a, a natural question. What's the truth about it? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is Jesus really this king? Jesus knows that he is. Pilate, I think, has an, has an indication that there's something different about the kingdom of Jesus. That's why Pilate says, look, I find no, no reason to charge him with anything. But the religious leaders insist. They have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. I think largely because they expected the Messiah to look a certain way. And Jesus simply was different. Jesus was the real thing. And sometimes the real thing and the real way that God works things out in the world can be a little different than we might think of at first. I hope and I pray that we can have, uh, that, that we can open up and see with eyes of faith what God is doing in our own midst. These people, they were looking the other way. They rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and that led to him being crucified. Also in this chapter in Luke 23, a few
few verses later, whenever Jesus is hanging on the cross, you find out it comes up again about him being the Messiah. This time, they're mocking him about it. Verses 35 through 43. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are being punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, we see that the crowd is mocking him. Mocking him as God's Messiah. You know, if you are God's Messiah, save yourself. That's not the reality. That might have been their expectation is what the Messiah was going to do. And also even one of these criminals in verse 39, he said the same type of thing. If you're the Messiah, why don't you just save yourself? And save us. That's what they might have been expecting. But the reality of what Jesus was doing in their midst, right here on the cross, was he ultimately was allowing them to be saved if they only chose his pathway and his way of life. He was doing something that ultimately brought salvation to each and every one of us. But they couldn't see it. They were rejecting it because it didn't fit their expectation. This is the reality. The reality is salvation through Jesus Christ. And that day, Jesus did die. He died on the cross. And he did come into his kingdom. He didn't do anything wrong, anything deserving of that punishment. But he took on that punishment upon himself. He became our sin, the way the scriptures speak about it. This is the reality of the Messiah, that he suffered. He was rejected, he suffered, and he died. He died on the cross. But that's not the end of the story, because there is that Sunday morning after uh, the crucifixion, that time whenever Jesus is raised up from the dead. And after Jesus raises up from the dead, Luke tells us a very interesting story. In Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, this is Jesus after he is raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples, and this is what he said. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This passage is the reality of what the Messiah was going to do. What the Messiah has already done. The Messiah did suffer. The Messiah has already been raised up from the dead on the third day. And through the name of the Messiah and the power of the Messiah, repentance for forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed in the Messiah's name, in Jesus' name, to all of the nations. We're living that proof out. All of us who have heard this message about Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings, we're living these verses out. We are actually witnesses of these things too. Yeah, they were witnesses of, of them in, in one way, but we're witnesses in another way. We're witnesses 2,000 years on down the road. 
and we can testify that the message has been proclaimed throughout the world. It's being proclaimed among the nations. We need to recognize the reality of the Messiah. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He has brought salvation to all of us. Let's proclaim this, this forgiveness of sin and this repentance that's found in the name of our Messiah, Jesus. Jesus, my Savior, what do you ask of me to follow in thy footsteps and never from you flee? I will serve you till forever and be always close to Jesus is in